0: Living your story right now in this moment. You know, no two stories are alike. We are all unique. We all have a different lens through which we see the world. We all have something to contribute, to share, to be. That uniqueness takes courage. It's not easy to stand in your truth. It's not easy to let yourself be vulnerable, to be really seen. To be really heard. So many of us hide. So many of us stay hidden. So many of us make the choice to step forward. To own who we are. To own our stories. To share our voice. The tide is turning. We're moving into a space of deeper vulnerability, courage, authenticity, and love. We're moving closer to greater self-love, self-acceptance, honesty, and empowerment. To get there, to get to that space, means we have to authentically share who we are. It means we have to authentically show up as our true selves. The magic is in sharing who you are. The magic is in sharing your story. That's where this series comes in. Own your voice. Love yourself. Stay true to your story. Dive deep into your vulnerability. Shine in your authenticity. Once you do, there's no stopping you. Stay honest. Stay brave. Stay true to who you are. Welcome to Seek the Joy Podcast, the power of storytelling. Storytelling.
1: In the notes folder on my phone, I had 150 jobs listed that I had applied to during the 11 months after graduation. I was a graphic design student and I had always loved art. I was seven when I started asking my parents for art classes that were outside of school as birthday and Christmas gifts and I spent hours coloring at the table. Later on in fourth grade, we moved from California to upstate New York to a small town that had a school of about 250 kids, kindergarten through 12th grade, and the closest stoplight was an hour away. I continued pursuing art, and then in 11th grade, I joined a design program a few towns over. Every morning, I would go to my two core classes at school, followed by an hour bus ride to this trade school where I would spend the rest of the day learning about design. Afterward, I would take the bus back, attend sports practices, and go home. My family moved back to California when I was going into 12th grade, and I went from class size of 32 kids in my small town to a class size of around 650. During that year, I ended up winning the Regional Occupation Award in graphic design based on the portfolio I had created the year I was at trade school. For me, this solidified the direction I needed to go in in college, which was that I needed to pursue graphic design. I thought for sure when I graduated college that I would be able to find a career in my field no problem because I worked really hard, I had a great work ethic, and I got my first job at a coffee shop when I was 14, and I had had a job ever since. I went to community college first to save on costs, and then I transferred to Tufts University into their art program where I pursued design. When I was at Tufts, I got diagnosed with anxiety, depression, and a pituitary gland brain tumor. After everything, I finally graduated, and I thought for sure, something good will come out of all of this. This cannot be all for nothing, and I will land a job in my field out of college, and I will magically be financially stable. So you'll notice in the rest of my story, I won't mention what corporate companies I worked for, but I will replace their name with a description. So, I first worked in a very pricey, artsy clothing and home decor retail store right after college with the plan of looking for a different one while I was there. I didn't want to work there because I wanted a career in my field and I was getting paid nothing and barely scraping by. Here I am living in the Bay Area, which is the highest rent area in the country and I'm paying six hundred dollars a month on a twenty year student loan growing in my career just wasn't a want anymore. It felt like a need. This pricey artsy store I worked at had their corporate location on the East Coast and I in a very competitive internship program. I applied for the home buyer intern position and got through to the third round, an in-person interview. I paid for my flight and hotel to go for one night, and the interview didn't last very long. It was a group interview and mine lasted about 10 minutes. I found out through an automatic email that it was a no, five weeks past the deadline, and I was completely crushed. I knew something needed to change and that I needed a new strategy. I started going to the coffee shop near my work at every lunch break, where I would sit and journal and listen to self-help podcasts. There were two really important things I learned during that process. One, write down the things that you want and be clear. I wrote down that I wanted to work on the corporate side of a home decor company, doing something creative, and then I wrote down at least 3 ways I was going to get there. Two, I decided I was going to change my story. I'm not going to start with the woe is me story anymore. I'm going to write myself a new story, which is that I'm young, I'm passionate, and I'm in an area full of possibilities and my opportunities are endless. And then finally, it happened. I met this woman who started as a sales associate at the retail store I worked at. She was a freelance graphic designer. I decided that today I would get my usual coffee run to talk design with her she asked me what I really wanted to be doing. And I told her, you know, I'd really like to be working for insert classy traditional home decor retail company here. And then she casually told me that she used to be a catalog director there for eight years. I grew up waiting for their teen catalog to come in the mail and I would cut them out and hang it up in my room when I was 13 and make a little collage and envision that my room looked like that. And she's sitting here and telling me that she was on the other end of this in charge. She ended up introducing me to someone who interviewed me for a signage job at their corporate office. Right before the third round, when I was supposed to go into the office, they gave me the news that I didn't get the job and that it wasn't me, but the internal candidate had gone after the position. Quickly, I looked online, and I saw that they had a production artist role open up to help work on their catalog. I emailed back and told them I was sorry to hear I didn't get it, but understood, and let them know that I did see that this other position was posted online and that I was interested. And then the next day, I got hired. I was over the moon. It was only a three-month contract, but I didn't care because I knew that this was going to be my step in the right direction. When the three months was up, I was better off than I was at the beginning, because now I had this opportunity on my resume, and I also left learning more about the direction I wanted my career to go in. I knew that I wanted to be more hands-on with product, and that I didn't want to just be behind the screen. Two months later, I landed another contract position, but this time for six months, at an affordable, global-inspired home decor retailer as a visual merchandising assistant slash production artist. I would help set up product in the sample house, which is like a fake store that's at their corporate headquarters, and I would help photograph and edit the packets and send it out to all 300 stores to show the stores what we wanted it to look like. Once that six months was up, I was out of the job again. This time a month later, I went back to that same company in the buying department. I finally was in contract and could enjoy job stability and health care through work. This time I could be even more hands-on with the product because I was helping create it and pick it out. My boss there was also a mentor and she helped me out in more ways than she knows. I owe her a lot of my career for taking me under her wing. I actually designed some product there that came out this last holiday season and when I was in the store last week I heard someone telling another person that they loved this product and how cute it was and I seriously live for that. That's hands down the best part of my job I was at that company for about one and a half years and then I moved on and now I'm a product development coordinator and designer at a different corporate company that sells four thousand dollar mirrors I spend my days at work drawing product working with vendors to get it made and bringing it out into the world and it has honestly been my dream come true and I feel so incredibly grateful I now feel like I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing Through this post-grad career journey, I've learned to not doubt myself and I've seen how far my design passion and persistence can take me. I'm 25 now and I still have a long career ahead of me. And one day in the future, I hope to be a creative director or a CEO running my own company of home decor product.
2: Hi, my name is Haley Luckadoo And I am a motivational speaker, a serial entrepreneur, and a podcast host. But before that, I was a college dropout. Here's my story, and it is a crazy one. I went to college as a very multi-passionate person. I dabbled in a lot of different majors. I think I ultimately changed my major nine different times, which is crazy. But I finally settled on criminal justice and I decided that I wanted to go to law school and become a lawyer. The summer between my junior and senior year, I was supposed to get married. And I had dated this guy for almost six years. And we had been engaged for a little while, and the wedding was coming up. And then I was gonna go into my senior year of school and go on to law school. And I thought that everything was going to be perfect. Well, life had different plans. And at the same time that my then fiance decided that he no longer wanted to get married or be with me, and he left one month before our wedding, that was the same time that I found out that my financial aid for college had been cut. And I was a full financial aid student, which meant I wasn't going to be able to finish my last year of school. So in the blink of an eye, the two things that I thought made up my entire future were gone. So this is definitely a story of overcoming and so many setbacks along the way. But after I spent a few days doing the very regular wallowing that you do when bad things happen, I realized that I still had to pay my bills and I still had to have some sort of job to keep the lights on and keep food on the table. And at that point, I knew that I could not do what all of my college friends were doing and go, work a retail job or wait tables. I had done things like that for too long and I wasn't going to do that and just get stuck in that career for the rest of my life. But I had no college degree and very little experience in anything. The only thing I knew I could do was I had just planned a wedding. Even though it didn't work out, I had planned it and I knew how to do it. And I had a lot of friends that were getting married. So I convinced myself that If I could just get a few of them to pay me a little bit of money and recommend me to their friends, maybe, just maybe, I could do this until I figured out what my next move was going to be. And I figured out how to really get a career or get back into school or do something that I actually wanted to do. So I started wedding planning. And what's crazy is within about six months, I had so many referrals, I had so much attention that I had what was basically a booked out client list for a wedding planning business that I didn't realize I was running. So all of a sudden it dawned on me that I needed to figure out how to run a business. And I really loved doing this. So I started diving into marketing and social media and all of those different aspects of running a company And I learned and I taught myself and I Googled my heart out. And I did that for about three years and did it very successfully. And after about three years, I realized that the thing I loved most wasn't planning the weddings, even though that was so wonderful and I really enjoyed it. It was running a business That was the part that I really enjoyed. I loved getting to work with other people, and I loved getting to strategize and talk marketing and numbers in business. So I started helping out a few of my colleagues in the wedding industry with some of the back-end parts of their business. And all of them said the same thing. You should make this a second company. You should do this for a living. So I talked to my now husband and decided that that was something I was going to do. And I started my second company, a digital marketing company that's now called Luckety Media. And I was running that and the wedding planning company at the same time and did that for about another year and a half or two years. And it was so much fun, but so crazy running two companies. And in that time, I faced tons of failures, tons of setbacks. It was basically like starting all over because I was relearning how to run a completely different type of company than what I had ever done before. But something that I think was so wonderful for my journey and so wonderful for me as a person because it really taught me a lot about myself and really helped me grow into who I am today. Since then, I have stopped planning weddings, which I do miss a little bit, but I decided to pursue some other dreams, and I'm still working with my digital marketing company. I've launched into speaking and coaching and running a podcast and all of these other aspects of my business, and still, I love business. That's the part that I really love, and the first time I ever spoke on a stage, I realized, that speaking and specifically motivational speaking is where my biggest passion lies. That's where my heart is. That's where I know that I can make the biggest influence. And that's the part that I love most. And so I really leaned into that and started doing a lot more speaking. And I told my husband the first time I ever came off a stage that I knew this is what I was meant to do. And I could see visions of this as my future but it's crazy that all of this started with a major setback. I feel like I've had so much success in my business and so many downfalls, failures, successes, hurdles to get over, setbacks, all the good things and all the bad, they've all come my way. But this all started out of me thinking that the two things that made up my future were gone. And little did I know that My future was so much bigger and so much brighter than what I actually thought it was going to be and so different too. And so it's been an incredible journey. I have a very incredible journey ahead of me because I truly believe that these last six years that I have been in business for myself are just the beginning of the story that I'm writing and the chapters that I'm going to be going into over the next few years. And I'm really excited for all of the things that I'm diving into and all of the things that my company is launching. But the thing that's taught me about myself was the first time I ever shared my story, I just didn't realize how resilient of a person I actually am. I shared a lot about some of the hurdles that I had to climb and the setbacks that I have faced, and I realized that being resilient is a skill of mine and a skill that I've put into practice several times over the last few years. So it was very eye-opening for me, and that's why I've shared my story so many times since then, because I love getting to remind myself of everything that I've already overcome so that I know in the future that I can overcome absolutely anything that comes my way. And being the most resilient person that I know is now a goal of mine that I work toward every single day. So that's something that I have really learned from sharing my story. And I truly believe that when we share stories about our past, and our dreams, and our goals, and the things that we've overcome. We build connections and community around those stories. So I love getting to talk about all of those things that I've come through and the crazy ride that I have been on so far. As far as what is coming next for me, my biggest dream is just that I get to pursue all of my other dreams. I have such a huge goal to make a really lasting impact on the world and a really lasting impact on the audience that follows me and chooses to support me. And I am just so excited to get to continue doing things to make an impact on those people and just pursue all of these other big audacious dreams that I have. So that's kind of a cop out, but my biggest dream is just to get to pursue all of my other dreams because. I never could have imagined that I'd be living the life that I'm currently living. So, the life that I'm currently living, the work that I'm currently doing, the things that I get to do every day are already so much of a dream to me that I'm just very excited to get to pursue all of the other avenues that I have in my head and all of the other things that I want to do. So my biggest dream is just to get to continue working toward all of these things that I have my heart set on and hopefully make a pretty big impact while I do it.
3: Hi, my name is Nancy Davis Coe, and I'm going to share the story of how I sought joy in a rather unexpected way and really never saw it coming. Uh, The story is that I was approaching a big birthday year and I decided that what I would do that year is write a thank you letter once a week to someone who had helped or shaped or inspired me. And the reason I did that is because I felt like everything was going really well. I was married at that point for 24 years. My girls were doing fine, we have two daughters, my parents were around, and I just sort of had this sense that if I didn't take a moment and acknowledge my good fortune, then that was a pretty ungrateful way to live. So I thought what I will do is just write simple thank you letters once a week for the year. And, you know, it'll just be sort of some karmic good housekeeping, if you will. So as soon as I started writing the letters, I wrote to my mom and dad. And my dad was really cute. He thought the letter was so great. He called me and said, Nancy, I love it. I put it in a frame. I put it up over my desk so I get to see it every day when I sit down. And six months later, I was looking at that framed letter because I was sitting at my dad 's desk writing his eulogy. Uh, he was eighty one so he was not a spring chicken, but he was a pretty healthy guy, uh, except that he wasn 't He had brain cancer that had not been diagnosed, and my dad was gone six weeks six weeks after the diagnosis. And all I could think was how grateful I was that I had taken the time to write that letter and let him know what he meant to me at a point in his life when he could still appreciate it. And throughout his last weeks on earth, I didn't have to worry that he didn't know how much I loved him. And it was at that point that I was starting to realize that I, the writer of the thank you letters, was getting at least as much benefit as the people who were on the receiving end of my letters, because... Every time I sat down to write one of these letters, I would feel better physically, better mentally. I always felt like a sense of warmth in my chest and this kind of, you know, instead of my ear my shoulders being scrunched up by my ears, they would settle down. And it was just this amazing way to remind myself once a week that even when I've had problems in the past, someone has always been there to help me, whether it was my dad, you know, I wrote these letters to friends. The more I wrote the letters, the more I f- Could see all these people who had helped me. So I started writing letters to my kid's pediatric nurse, who had been just a really steady source of comfort and information for me as a parent. And I wrote to an old boss who was really, really nice in the way she laid me off. (laughs) Uh, You know, not somebody I would have thought I'd write a thank you letter to. But when I sat and thought about her, she was so kind to me during what could have been a really terrible time of my life. And I wanted to acknowledge that to her and let her know that I appreciated it. So that was it. I wrote 50 letters over the course of what ended up being about a year and a half. And I thought that was the end of it. Except that people kept asking me about it. I had friends who said, you know, how did you do this thing? Or people who had received the letters wanted to know more about how I decided who to write to. And from that came my book that came out from Running Press in December of 2019. It's called The Thank You Project, Cultivating Happiness, One Letter of Gratitude at a Time. And really, it's just a blueprint for anyone who reads it to figure out how they might want to replicate and create their own thank you project. So it's part how-to and part memoir. And one of the things that I loved about writing the book is that it gave me a chance to go back and figure out this science of gratitude, because there's an emerging body of science around why gratitude and happiness are so tightly coupled. And I got to totally nerd out on that piece of it and learn that yeah, that warm feeling in my chest, that's something that's called elevation. And that feeling of calm and connection That has absolutely been proven in scientific literature and studies that a deliberate expression of gratitude is a really effective way to hit the reset button and make yourself feel less alone, make yourself feel less anxious and worried. And so I wanted to write this book in a way that would help people get motivated. And not even, this is what I keep saying throughout the book, you don't even have to write a letter. But if you just think about these people in your life who you've crossed paths with, who have influenced you in an important way, It starts to put you into the habit of looking for those good things. That's something that scientists call positive recall bias. And what it means is you get in the habit of looking for good things in life by looking for good things in life. So I'm hopeful that the book is sort of a blueprint that will walk you through it. I, of course think you should write the letters. I wrote the letters. I think you should. But I understand people have different approaches to this. So I just tried to make it kind of fun. And I include stories of other people who have done different kinds of gratitude projects. I also include playlists, because one of the things, if we're talking about seeking joy, one of the things that brings me great joy is music and live concerts and dancing. Uh, I have a podcast called Midlife Mixtape, and I have a blog by the same name where we talk about the years between being hip and breaking one. And to me, the great leveling question in the world is, what was your first concert and what were the circumstances? So that's how we always start off the show. But I think the point I want to drive home is that sharing your gratitude with people has such an incredibly profound effect, not just on you, but of course, on them. And again, back to the research, one of the things that I thought was interesting was the research I found that said that people tend to overestimate how awkward they will feel in sending a gratitude letter. And they tend to underestimate how happy the recipient will feel. So, you know, I wrote letters to people who live in my house with me. And I was really so happy to write letters to my husband and my kids, because there's so many people in our lives we take for granted. But what would you do without them? What? How would you be different as a person without them in your life? I mean, you would probably be profoundly different. But one of my favorite letters to write was to a friend who I was no longer in touch with. Uh, this was somebody who had been a really close friend of mine through middle school and high school, you know, someone I spent tons of time with. And after college, we went our separate ways. And I had felt that that was his doing, not mine. I really felt a little bit hurt because I knew he was in touch with other friends of ours. And this was in the years before social media, so we couldn't keep track of each other on Facebook and whatnot. But this was somebody who had been a, one of my very best friends. And then suddenly I was just ghosted. And for years, I had resented him. And I had felt really hurt by what I considered the desertion of the friendship. And as I got to, I don't know, letter 32 or 35 or something, I was getting so good at, you know, looking around and saying, what's good about this situation? What good has this person brought to me in my life that I knew he needed to get a letter and I didn't plan to send it. One of the great things about the Thank You Project, you never need to send a letter. People don't know that you're writing thank you letters. So if you decide to write it just so you can get your feelings on a piece of paper and then you file it away, that's great. That works just as well to create more happiness in your life. So as I say, I wrote this letter to my friend and I said to him, you were you were a stalwart friend to me in high school. I would not have made it through high school without you. And I felt better having written it. I also felt a little bit ashamed because looking back at some of the circumstances of high school I realized that he had he was one of those people who always gave me good advice that I never took. I was always like, "No, nope, I know better. I'm going to do it my way." And I'm sure I drove him crazy because I was constantly just making weird choices for myself that he could see were weird choices and I couldn't. And really, by the time I finished the letter, I kept thinking, wow, it's amazing that he stayed friends with me as long as he did. I'm glad, you know, I should just be glad that I got to, I got to know him for as long as I did. And that's really it. I put the letter away. Well, a couple weeks later, who reaches out to me on social media, but my old friend who had heard about my dad, in fact, that was the impetus for him getting in touch. I really believe that if I hadn't gone through that process of thinking about forgiveness both towards him and towards myself. I don't know that I would have been so happy to hear from him, but as it was, I was thrilled. And I didn't care why he had stopped being friends with me. All I could think was, this is great because now I have a chance to make up to him for being such a lousy friend when I was in high school. So You know, some of these letters that you write that you have a little bit more perspective than when you were in the moment. I think it's an interesting way to kind of go back and reframe your story and really understand what you've learned and understand, you know, that you did the best you could at the time, but maybe you would make different choices now. And it's a really, I think, effective way to foster self-gratitude and to look around and say, gosh, I may be imperfect, but look at all these people that I've surrounded myself with. Look at how smart I have been to find these helpers to whom I'm writing these letters now. So I think that's probably my biggest takeaway. What I've learned from sharing my story is that I've done a good job at creating relationships with people who care for me. And by writing these letters, I've strengthened those relationships. I have made sure that those people know that I care, that I value their role in my life. And that's that's not nothing. Um, So I think that's one of my biggest takeaways. And now, when I think about my biggest dream, I would love for this message to get out into the wider world. I would really love it if there were thank you letters flying every which way in 2020 as people hear from former students or childhood friends or your roommate who you live with. Just getting that gratitude out into the world because the people who are receiving these letters are going to benefit, but the people who write them will benefit just as much so that's my goal for 2020 with the thank you project i would love to have a chance to talk to live audiences about it because there's some great stories behind the letters and i just want to be a resource to help there be more gratitude in the world so that's me nancy davis co signing off thanks you guys
0: this is seek the joy podcast the power of storytelling join us share your story For more information and to get involved, visit SeekTheJoyPodcast.com. This series airs the third week of every month, and make sure to join us for Seek the Joy Tuesday. Until then, thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your bravery. Thank you for your joy. Thank you for being here, and thank you for listening.